25 years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Vampire the Requiem. Hey everybody, welcome back to 25 Years Masquerade Podcast presents Requiem. And here we get to start here in episode 3, kicking it off, and uh, well, just getting to it. I, of course, am accompanied here today by Chris. Hey everyone. And Brennan. Hey people. And that's, it's real simple. We're getting better at that, folks, as we go along. It's less awkward. Still nerdy, but we're nerds, so it's okay. Um, before we dig deep in here, we're bringing back something that we've gotten away from a little bit, um, and that's shout-outs. So we love the support we get from the community and you guys being a part of it and uh, joining in, and we feel that you should get your name on there at the very least as a, as a common thank you. And uh, to start this off, we're going to turn it over to DJ, and uh, DJ's just going to tell us who recently signed up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so for our supporters, we have Moira Jerome. We have Bio Gundam, uh, Shelly Savage, Ryan Steele, and Paige Abendroth. Thank you so much for your support. You have no idea what it means for us. It gives us the ability to go ahead and put out these great podcasts as well. So uh, thank you once again for, for supporting us. And in addition to that, it's other than just the, the great support. It's also understanding, guys, that you are empowered. And what I mean by that is that if you're a patron of us, uh, you're fast-tracked to come and talk to us about anything on Discord or what have you, and uh, to ask questions, to seek projects you'd like to see content you'd like to see more developed of i mean just really take advantage of it part of supporting us that that that's there too for you as privilege is to reach out and get a hold of us we don't want you to be a voice in the dark we want you to be someone who's heard and discord's the best way to do it or of course you can message us through patreon though you're at the mercy of me um ideally being super busy um i hope to get at least a 24 to 48 hour turnaround time on those things uh but sometimes it's very difficult but i will get to you no matter what that i promise you uh but without further ado Gentlemen, we're back to Requiem, and I, I do love Requiem. I love where we uh, we were getting into the mix of exactly what Requiem's all about. And um, I don't know. There's something I wanted to touch on. It's something that someone pointed out to me, and, and that was the fact that there were two other covenants, and they were, like, cheeky about it. They were like, well, Bob, you know there were two other covenants you didn't even <laughs> mention. And I was like, I, I didn't mention? Like, like what's that? And I was like, you mean, you mean like, Belial's Brood and Seven? And they're like, yeah, did you know those were covenants? And I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. Those are covenants. But are those like yes. common player covenants? Well, as a player, I don't limit my game as to what covenant someone's about. You you shouldn't limit your game either. Just a tip. And I was like, well, all right, pretentious person. I do appreciate that. You reaching out and letting me know that. I do feel you're correct. You shouldn't limit your covenants. But I don't know. I need to know what these things are, right? Well, I was brewed seven tip. I already know. And I love them. But the point is... <laughs> Is that you might not know them. And I have the two best guys here at my disposal as part of the team here to help me out with that. Now, I'm going to go with something sophisticated here. It's going to be really unique. We're going to give Belial's Brood to Brennan. We're going to give Seven to DJ. Now, you guys here have to explain to me what are these things, right? Now, here's the trap. I know there's an independent book because I own both of them on my shelf and I've read them three oh, times. Mm -hmm. They're so good. Okay. I do know the in-depth. However, I don't want mm -hmm. the in-depth. I want how they're presented out of the main Requiem book that we're all going over. Right. So because Brennan, we'll go into those when we hit those books. Otherwise, what's the point? So, uh, yeah, and I know exactly why you gave me Belial's Brood, Bob. It's because you're trying to keep all the bees together. Brennan's Belial's Brood. <laughs> but uh, anyway, <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting all my bad dad jokes out now. Uh, anyway, Belial's Brood, as they're presented up front, they are a very different... Man, after going through this book so much where it relies on such nuance and like ambience all throughout, it's really a smack in the face because this covenant 
is incredibly overt with everything, right? First off, the first image you see is a handprint with a pentagram on it, right? And they are presented as a collection of Satanists and anarchists, at least at face value. Their uh, one law that they have in their covenant is do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And that is uh, Crowley. I'm sorry? That's Aleister Crowley. Yeah, it is uh, from, well, actual Satanism. Right. Uh, kind of unexpected. This is not the the route this covenant is taking, though. They are actual demon worshipers, demon summoners. They are they more than anything else. They believe that the damned should be the beasts that inhabit them. So that's an interesting concept. So the damned should be the beasts that inhabit them. I know that we're looking at them and reading them in the book as they're presented here. Uh, they describe a fact that a domain will know them by the chaos and violence they're in. Mm-hmm. That if you, you would see burning buildings, cars overturned on top of screaming mortals, a mortal covered in blood and in deep shop walking into a busy street before collapsing. And that's just an example of knowing the Bilal's brood are in your domain, right? That's mm-hmm. a that's a great representation. It's a visual you can get behind, right? Ultra violent to a point, though. Now, here's that point. Do as thou wilt should be the whole of the law. There's no one to teach them these satanic beliefs. What am I, what am I saying here? Somewhere, I'll, t- I'll tell you my opinion here. When this was created, it definitely feels like they said, hey, we have the Bali, and they were super popular in Masquerade. We can't leave them behind. So let's take them and put them here. Why? They do the same thing. The Bali have their overtly satanic group that's in the front, and those are the young. Mm-hmm. And the young don't get it, but they're the ones that are hunted. But if one is a cunning one, you live to be the older, actual what they're supposed to be behind right. closed doors. Bilal's Brood follows the same pentameter, the same method, Right. That's what is overt, but it's what you don't see, which is the most dangerous. But they do something that you fans of the Sabbat may notice, right? They're talking about the beast, understanding the beast, becoming the beast and getting to know it. And that's where this brood kind of sinks right into understanding what goes on. They have a book later on we'll get into. I'm a super fan. I very much enjoy it. Some of the most horrific nightmarish points are made as to what is how cool what somebody would call basic. Because when we refer to the beast, people think of like a chained wolf unhinged but somehow shackled and you're holding them. yeah yeah that's great that's great <laughs> you're a perfect sire we'll get to that later on but what about that predator what about that cunning of witches you should say that figures it out that gets into the deep and gets swims with the beast and becomes it they don't just talk about it they are it what does the world look from the beast perspective when it's not held in a can and it does come out and they are a part of it and you begin to understand the terror that is Bilal's brood you begin to see what it is because if I am such a beast and I'm in this abandoned, burnt out building where my early days, I overturned a car on mortals in this exact spot in this domain and the prince tore out every covenant to come kill me and they bade the wolves to come and destroy me and every hound has been out to be here, but none of them have succeeded. But I'm there. The beast is there and I see it as just pleasantries. All of this is symphony to the monstrousness I bring because I am the ultra predator and I can't, there's no way you can stop what that is. And that's a terror that exists now in your neighborhood. That is what Belial's brood seems to be, right? You can see that it evolves there. Ironically, though, that also sounds like Path of the Feral Heart or um, something in the Sabbat where they tell you to abandon your humanity becomes something altogether. But Requiem mm-hmm. Hammers Home, there's no way for you to see that as a player because we tried that. If you think about it, same company and group of yep. people tried that. They like gave you your pass. And what was the number one complaint about pass? It's super hard to play something you're not. We're not right. these monsters how do we do that we don't, we don't even know how to come up with it. what do you do and they said well what if we made them a villain again and did it from a different take and now when you see them with not full open dimension all secrets revealed 
they become cool again. And you see these precepts, but you don't need the Sabbat to see it. Right. right? They're the Bali with the Sabbat's reputation, I feel. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. And I, I do love this. Uh, one of the, I'm going to hammer home one of the things you pointed, but you just pointed out, right? They they keep that mystery to them. I, I love my villains when I don't have answers to them, right? Like, why is Michael Myers an Bravo. indestructible killing machine? Why why is Jason Voorhees coming back? Right? I I hate in any kind of narrative where you give me answers behind why something is happening if it's in the horror vein, right? And I I love that about the Belial's brood in this. I also like that um, one of the, the key differences and also taking a look from the perspective of other covenants is that every other covenant is because, well, once again, getting back to the whole point of Requiem and the type of vampire you are is why live, why exist. And so a lot of it is like, OK, well, you know, I have to deal with my with my own Requiem. Then I have to go ahead and, and work with a coterie at one point or another because it's the only thing that's going to keep me there, these societies. And then this is the it's not that it would be the opposite, because obviously they are a covenant unto themselves. But as Bob was mentioning, you just don't see it. You, you don't have players who. You know, the way that it's built for the character, you're not there to see it from the perspective of the beast, because what happens when you run through that side, you know, and to have a like minded pack of alpha predators is crazy. And what's cheeky about it is the way that it's written, because it seems so third person that it only does scratch the surface and, and to marry right. it to a Brent. Right. And that's what I'm saying, because you don't know whether or not that's a nascent vampire or that's how they all are. Right. Is it just like all Belial's brood? No, I like the cunning in it more. It's like one. It started off that way, you know, just flipping stuff. But then along the way, we we got more insidious about it. And and that's what should pique your interest. But that's also the reason why you want to divorce it just a little bit initially when it when this book was presented anyway, um, to keep that mystery for yourself as a storyteller or as the player to figure out, well, what's happening back there? And that develops a great story seed. And mm-hmm. now and now that rolls into like, I want to put it put a pin there because there's a lot we're going over today. But also I, I have an overview. I'm going to see if you guys agree with. I think it's a good point. Um, of course I do. It's my point. I'm teasing. Um, we're getting, <laughs> please challenge it if you do. Maybe just me too in the weeds, but, um, seven, ah, uh, the seven, the seven, the seven are mysterious. And why? Because all they're recognized for is their tag sign, right? Every time they, they leave something in the wake of their destruction and, or their calling card, I should probably say is the Roman numeral seven. They leave it on their victims. They leave it on sites that they visited, but no one really knows who they are. The only thing they can say is that they are made up of vampires, but the myth or so it goes as it's being presented is um, at one point or another, there was a king who was wronged a long time ago by other kindred. And during that period in time, those that flocked to the banner of the seven are now looking out to remove the kindred problem. And by removing the kindred problem, they'll be able to reach their Sabbath or their equinox of sorts to be able to put things right. And it's, and it's, it's weird because right? they say Sabbath. And, and here's what I thought of. This is where the children of Hakim and the black hand of the Sabbat still live. Yep. I was about to say the exact same thing. This is where Absolutely. players could start seeing where some of the marriages, you know, that came over those core concepts that who watches the watchers, right? If, if kindred are, you know, no kindred, especially considering that you're playing an antihero is in and of themselves in a vacuum. You could still be the enemy of another enemy. You might hate what you are and or go crusading against it. And I think this is where you get that mystery from it. Well, seven's the beginning. If you guys ever wanted to know what it was like back when, you know, Camarilla first, or it was the Asimites were first launched that fear, that mystery of what they were, that's what it was like. It was just like they interpret seven. You knew something of them, but you had no idea where they were coming from, and they hadn't defined them yet. And they worked best that way. I think players loved Mm -hmm. the idea of playing something like that and being told by the storyteller what that ST's version of what they would be would be. And ST's Mm -hmm. were empowered and felt they could because there was nothing to tell them they were wrong. And they they enjoyed it, and you heard that best to be done. The other aspect is, since we know what those two things are, Children of Keem and the Black Hand, let me address this correctly. 
The Black Hand is a secret society within the Sabbat. They're not just killers. They actually do know the myths and lores and legend of Nod and follow them and follow those precepts specifically like Zilla's Tears, The Rock, and all that fun stuff. That's a cult within a sect already. What is Seven? But the same thing. It's a band Mm. of vampires brought together for some weird reason seeking a Sabbath, which is a religious rite of some sort. And they got to kill all the damned. They're specific about that. The, those who bear the mark of the beast shall be destroyed. What is that? Where does that come from? Don't know. But I'll tell you this much. That sounds a lot like the children of Hakim. Mm. All of their vampires go but them. But why is that? Well, because some dude said so. You want to call him a king? That's all right. Hakim is the wise. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. Nope. So we, we know that. So we know they're here. But why do that? Because Requiem's a labor of love. This was not made to oppose masquerade fans. This is made to invite you over and try something different, and the flavor's different. But to know what Seven is, one must play the game. To encounter Bilal's brood and get what they're about, one must play the game. And that's, and that's where it comes from, and I invite you to explore that. Um, the other aspect about this, though, let's think Rome for a second. You mentioned the Camarilla, and I sat there and I said, man, it kind of sucks that they're just in the time period and they're gone, but are they? As I begin to read about Covenants more and begin to see pieces of it, it makes more sense that they're fragmented from what they were. In their heyday, the Camarilla was everything. Where Rome mm-hmm. went, so too were this institute of powerful vampires. And thus all society was whole. But as Rome fell apart, so did this. And when it fell apart, you had elders deciding what was going to survive. The new way of life. You're an elder on my domain. All of you are under me or I'll kill you if you want to be here. And you agreed to stay, so we're doing this now. And the very most, well, the, the ones that survived are the ones we have now that are watered down. And they would be a pale reflection of what once was. You could see it clear with the Invictus, mm-hmm. right? The Invictus yes. is the former Senate. You know, the Lankius Sanctum is, is nothing but the embodying government of the actual religion that dominated Rome. You know, when Romans, Romans were really religious, and they, and they had that, but they had a common religion across all Roman citizens. However, they invited those other religions to come and be a part of Rome as a citizen and were permitted to worship as they would, blah, 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 until sanctions came in, Christianity and all that. But the point is, the uh, Order of the Crone were still permitted to be Order of the Crone as long as they danced to the tune of Rome or the Invictus now. And you see how that goes. So, And, and often the Invictus are hand-in-hand hand with the Lankia. We see that. The Lankia mm-hmm. was supported by the Roman soldier Longinus. You see that. You can also point out the fact that even Belial's brood fits. These are the barbarians at the gate. These are the ones who did not agree with Rome's rule, and they still survive. And their way of life is still here. And that's how it's different. You can knock off my Bali comment now. Because you can see clearly what other intent might have been there, and that they're the descendants of that. And if you can think of those maddening nights when Rome came in and decided, they're but heathens, kill them and take their land. And they was like, we're heathens? No, we're the Gauls. Come take our land as I wield an axe and bring my family to the fore. And my clan versus you shiny whatever you think you are. Well, we'll scream and howl into the night and blood and rain. We'll see what gods are better. Though that time, that chaos, still here. It's still there. It's like in the blood remembers, right? We talked about blood ties in Requiem. I really feel that's a big dominant thing here. What do you think? I think that um, you're not wrong for saying that because that is one of the bigger things that come across. And as the memory starts going through, that memory also breaks down. There's so much allegorical stuff that also happens. Like, for example, once again, domains change. The story, the where you bring it, change your tradition also changes with the lineage and where your terms you bring it, right? So when Invictus here starts off in Rome, starts moving either east or westbound, starts taking their traditions, brings their blood. And this is also, we haven't gotten to bloodlines yet, but this is where we also start seeing why certain 
things are brought over not only via the covenants, but they also bring certain bloodlines uh, as well because of how they interact with each other. So it's very micro macro, but it, it, it's one of the things that tells a great story. And when we talk about that stuff. We also mentioned that, well, how is it that they're able to descend? Because Brent's trying to mention real hard to remember your memories, mm-hmm. real hard to keep a handle on. So how did that come to the fore and didn't? I said, remember me saying it's watered down and chained. I'm not saying is it a cop out excuse. You need to understand where that comes from. <coughs> excuse me. They didn't excuse that in the book. They didn't hand wave it. It's explained. Kindred memory and torpor. Here's what happens as you get older in Requiem, right? Brent and mention it, and, and maybe, maybe like you guys, you heard it in pieces and didn't quite click, but it clicked for me recently going through and, you know, research like I got to do. But as I was reading is that, you know, talking to you guys to help me get it too, was the fact that as kindred age, they need more potent blood. And we're thinking, duh, any fan of V5 gets that immediately, yep. right? Suddenly bag blood doesn't work and then mortal is while you're on and then eventually it's only vampires. So too in this game, but how they explain it is. Kindred blood is you don't feed on kindred blood. That's a no. And we'll get into why there's an actual tradition that's against that. It's one of three they have. But the mm-hmm. point is, is it, it's beyond that kindred vitae. It's here's where difference in masquerade and masquerade blood is blood, right? Whether it's mortal blood or kindred blood, they describe all blood as being euphoric and tasty and yummy. And certainly the more potent, the tastier, but no one cares. Right. right that's it <laughs> here in Requiem. There's a definite difference. You taste mortal blood. Sure. It's great. It's perfect. It's what you need. Unless you can only feed on kindred blood. But kindred blood is always good. Well, why? The answer is in the Predator's Taint, right? The answer is in the fact that it's called Requiem and their theme was there never should have been more vampires, right? That's what they allude to, that there is this uh, tragic thing where we keep making more of ourselves, but the beast within us ever hungers for the blood of others as if it's seeking to make itself whole. There's a strange effect here that's going on. But they get into the fact that, well, as you age and you start feeling that urge to feed on your own, you enter the Sleep of Ages or Torpor, if you will. Well, when you do that, you're not un- just unconscious, like most people would like to think. That's the key piece missing. You actually relive your requiem is what happens. Your whole existence is what you go through. Except, I want you to think about that. If, you, if, if what happens maybe when we die, that's the same thing. We relive our whole life. Having right? that you're, life flash before your eyes. Right, yeah. you hear that phrase, but what if you're mm-hmm. actually reliving it? This doesn't say it flashes. You're reliving it as you're sleeping off the sleep of ages. So if I was down for 30 years, that would be a wild dream. Pretty interesting. But what if in that 30 years I lived through the World War II? How bad would that be if I was in the middle of the war and in that conflict? And what would it be different? Well, here are some changes to think about. While you're in that dream state, everybody you've ever lied to, little white lie to cover it up, and the guilt you feel, what would that manifest like in the, in the dream? What if you did it directly and you're a son of a bitch and you don't care about who you lied to or who you hurt? Well, what would that look like in the dream? What about the people you killed? You fed them and killed them, but you felt guilt in those moments? You call them die rolls? But to your character, they were failings of conscience or they were succeeding in a conscience and what have you. And all those moments matter. But in a dream state, which is your source of memory, what would you believe really happened? Now, you have the reality and Brennan, you pointed that out beautifully, that there's a reality of what happened. And then there's a reason they don't remember it correctly. That's the reason when you're forced to relive it all again, your mind is what inter- your mind becomes your, your, your devil. Mm-hmm. It's also harder because uh, I think of it kind of like uh it probably shows my age rewatching the movie Jacob's Ladder, right? And yes. it's like you're Ooh. stuck in it and you're not even sure what's happening because those memories start becoming unreliable because it is such a dream state and you're reliving these nightmares, for lack of a better term. And how many times you're replaying the movie and, and the mind does amazing things to try to cover up any type of trauma as is. So it might just rewrite some of those scenes after having witnesses the first time. And what if you're Groundhog's Day, right? You just revert back to that same day all over again you're like wait what's going on what's worse though is 
that's why it also makes it horrible and in a in a great storytelling way of like if you see a Methuselah sleeping or someone who shouldn't have woken up yet, you don't want to get near them because when they wake up, how do they know they're not still dreaming and you're just another person in their area that they might attack? That person's got to freak out as is, and that's 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 explosive, <laughs> right? And then now they're not even sure if they're awake or sleeping. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I get excited mm-hmm. about just thinking how that that Methuselah is at that point in time, you know, or at least someone of that much of a potent blood. But, but, I, it's, but I'll uh, tell you, it's a nightmare. They did a beautiful job in making a book for this period, right? For for explaining that's one later on too, and they talk about dynasties as well. And we're ahead of the game, but just mm-hmm. to let people know if that triggered your your curiosity, we'll get there. It's coming. And it's out there for it. But um, I just wanted to point those things out from the last time because I feel we didn't give them the right amount of panache, right? There's a level mm-hmm. we're trying to hit here of that difference. That romantic difference is what we're talking about. That that gothic tip that makes it uh, even even cooler uh, to even know about that even exists. And a lot of people hand wave it. They go right over it. But that little bit is empowering to anybody who ever makes a character. You're entitled to play around with this idea with your concept. And you should. Right. And knowing the origins of the covenants or where they may have come from, like I believe it, or what you choose to do or leave them as is, is up to you. But that depth makes them more personal. I mean, it makes it more digestible. Right. I didn't like Requiem back in the day because it felt like it was ripping off the masquerade. But then realizing these elements, it removed all of it. Mm-hmm. It removed all pain and got me to look with fresh eyes. And I hope it did the same for everybody else here that we did that for everyone here. And yep. uh, or it's starting to. But here's some more flavor coming at you. Prestation, guys. Um, talk to me about it. How does Prestation differ? Uh, in in Requiem now, or not even just how different. What what do we got looking forward to in a typical domain? I think in a typical domain, once again, putting it within the scope of a game. Usually, when players are taking a look at it from a, a masquerade side, you're always taking a look at the hierarchy, right? You're always seeing like, oh, I owe someone big this, and the harpy's going to go ahead and record it, and here we go, boons left and right. And usually, from a, a player perspective, like I said, there's just that gap. There's like I have to always punch up. However, in a smaller domain, in the fact that now you're looking at you know, such a, a, a very, very small magnified focus, those boons weigh that much more because even the person next to you, even your own coterie mate, it, it just makes it that much more relatable and it makes the currency of your boons mean that much more between your regular player uh, along or rather a character who hasn't been in the hierarchy versus one that is. And it's what does exist because why? Money doesn't mean that much afterwards, right? And we've, we've mm-hmm. beat it to death right. in, in Masquerade. But like now that we're taking a look at well, how do we keep ourselves entertained? Well, we go hunting one night. Meals on me. That's what I owe you. Really? I got this great stock you ain't even hear of yet. One day, it's on me. You got it? Good. Noted. Oh, man, I can't wait to go out with Bob. Bob's got that good, good. <laughs> right, right. We're talking about feeding rights right there, right? Like, yeah. we're, or, or maybe a domain I have, you don't, right? And uh, we'll, we'll get to that type of, of, uh, of horse trade, but we got to understand, well, who has the right to do that first, right? That's prestation. You're right. There's different favors here, and I wanted to open that up. But here we look at a prince in a different capacity. Um, I'm going to take this first one just to explain. Well, the first two, really. We'll talk about prince in a region uh, when it comes to domain. And here's why. The prince here is way more intense. It's deep in its simplicity. A prince here is actually more of a warlord. And I'll Absolutely. tell you how. A prince takes a domain. It's not voted, not elected. Takes that domain. And when they take that domain, it's, it's by right. And what do I mean by that? It's praxis they're seizing. My right to rule. What does that mean? It means that no predator around could contest this prince and their reason to hold this domain. Doesn't matter if it's the city of Chicago. Doesn't matter if it's the west side of Chicago. It's the fact that they're declaring princedom over that territory, willing to fight anyone else who's going to have said territory. And it ramps up from there, right? That prince in that territory is going to handle all conflicts, govern the territory, 
the feeding rights, um, punishing offenders. It's that type of stuff they're doing. They're determining uh, the conflict and conflict resolution and, and more or less being that person who's going to, um, I, I can't put Warlord any better. I'm going to state that. I don't, want, I don't want to paint that anymore. Um, help me out here a little bit if you feel I haven't done a good enough job. So I, I've always, you, you say Warlord, and I agree with that 100%. It is not what pops in my mind when I think of a Requiem Prince, though. It is always like that, that alpha of a pack, like that top predator in a domain. That is absolutely what it is in every single way. That's the only way a prince can hold it. But uh, you, you say, you mentioned prince and, and regents, right? But as we talked about in previous podcasts, some domains don't necessarily have one prince. Right. Maybe they're a board where they're run by a well, council. Well, we're not. I don't want to confuse it because domains only have one prince. There can only be one prince. There is a regent title, though. Right. That's what right. you're referring to. If I have the title of regent, I am a sub prince of a domain. Right. For example, I may be prince. I'm under Prince Maxwell, but Bob mm-hmm. controls the west side of Chicago. He is the sub prince of the west side of Chicago. And in that domain, um, I have I'm, I'm prince in all ways, but praxis. Right. It's considered a tenurial domain, right, is what that term comes from, mm-hmm. right, or what it popped mm-hmm. up in. And tenurial simply means, uh, well, at least in the, in the terms of this, not by define, simply means that the prince uh, permits me to run this accordingly. And I can have my own hierarchy within this, this tenurial domain. But it still belongs because I pay lip service to Maxwell, who is the prince, mm-hmm. right? Because I acknowledge I can't beat Maxwell, but he acknowledges he can't keep an eye good enough here to rule on his own. So he extends his power by getting me to take a knee to him, right? Recognizing that I am an elder of power who could challenge him where he is, but to supplant me or to supplicate me, that's the wrong term. We'll just say it. For me to get along, he has to give me something, right? He has to give me something, so, so I do. And that's what it is. And that's what and, that, and that's what you were saying last time. I'm just saying I don't want to confuse Prince, Prince, Prince. It's not. They're distinct, clear title lines. But what's interesting here, though, and I think what you were getting to, is the fact that why I say Warlord is when a prince is running around handling conflicts, chopping heads granting permission for embraces removing that bright challenging people who are you know he has to stand he or she has to stand up and defend against anyone who comes at them they mm-hmm. take on the throne and they're able to and they're and everyone else in titles well there's like 11 titles and everyone else steps to the side to let the two bulls have at it in the china shop so to speak well that simply says that the city acknowledges that either one of you can win and right. can be up there and that becomes a very violent uh predator combat sort of thing or someone relinquishes the throne. It's that simple. That's where I get that from. And I agree with you on all things you said. I'm just trying to paint this picture here, rolling through. Right, because, I gotcha. because when you default from Prince and you look at Regent, you now re-look at what a Seneschal does. Right. And remember the flip side. A prince in typical masquerade is somebody who, all right, your word is law. Here's the seven traditions. You're there. And it's kind of the same, but no one's gonna challenge you because we need to justify our involvement, some other bullshit and all this other nonsense, and it becomes a conflicted whatever thing. But mm-hmm. when you ask why, if if you're the prince of, we'll keep it here, if you're the prince of Chicago and it's the masquerade, why do I need to get anybody's permission to remove you and sit in your seat? And if I'm able to do it, why would everybody seek my head for doing it? But, but, but <laughs> wait, I see you're confused. I, yeah, I have no I, answer I, for I wanna you. I want to say something like, I don't, I, I, yeah, there's no, I don't have a reason for you, Bob. <laughs> I don't. But here's, here's the insidious of how it's set up in, insidiousness, how it's set up in masquerade. If I kill the prince and declare myself prince, a justicar may come in and execute me, right? I'm in violation of the right of destruction. I didn't have permission. I didn't seek it from them. I didn't contact anybody to make it official. I'm just up here, what, just ramboing it up? We can't have that across our worldwide network. We're not going to say it's okay to offer prince we put in power. 
that's the number one reason. Don't know if you like working for a corporation. I certainly don't. And when I play Masquerade, I pretend that can't happen. <laughs> Often, I think that's why Prince is ignored. It's a pain in the ass. Oh, there's a tyrant prince. Oh, great. His lordship or her ladyship's going to be here to what? Tell us how better it is for them. Great. Wasn't enough that we gave you multi-million dollar businesses and everything else you could do. You're not going to sit here and be what again? It's, it's, it's like that annoying rich royal who's going to be sitting around telling you, my life isn't so taxing as yours. What, what, what are you plebs doing again? Nobody wants you around, but we're going to tolerate you because, I don't know, you got blue blood. I have no idea. Right? It's annoying. The Requiem Prince is someone who's in that room, and they're noticing every single movement because they can't resist the beast within. They are old enough, and everyone's challenging them in their domain, and they're permitting you to be there because they're trying to be civil. They're trying to maintain before the sleep of ages hits that you're not a morsel on their plate. They're trying to act like they don't want everybody to come to their feeding grounds because to them, their domain is just an area to feed and it's Mm -hmm. a wide one. And so they keep all these nuances and social graces and parties and salons and things to do to remind themselves, no, no, we're trying to be civil. We're more than the predators we are. Yet behind that veneer, right behind that mask is something that should terrify everybody that glances at them. That, that to me is a requiem prince. But that also gives you more reason as to why the Seneschal also has a special place, right? Versus that which is regent. Um, and, and just to, to kind of throw it back in and give us a baseline, folks, like these positions that we're going for are just top to bottom. Remember, every domain is different. Some places might just not have a prince. However, from the position that we're taking a look at, that's why you want to keep it very objective. So when you take a look at that region, who's a supplicant to the prince, yeah, they got that power. They do everything in there, but they're acting autonomously in their own particular domain. But what glues it together is that seneschal. That seneschal, in my eyes, is like Diddy's bag, bitch. Like, Diddy <laughs> go shopping, right? Diddy out there shopping. Diddy's got that right-hand man who's going out there making sure he's carrying the bags, got everything. No, no, we, we can't. That meeting ain't today. I, he liked that watch, not this watch. All right, good. Hand that over. No, these J's, not there. Yeah, these Air Force ones, right? What, what, you know, joking aside, what that means, though, is where these guys are operating, these regions in small pockets, this Seneschal is literally there with, you know, the proxy power to be able to, to walk around and, and have those discussions when the prince isn't there, which also adds to the prince's power, because if, if the prince isn't present, this person's there to go ahead and do so, which only magnifies the prince's strength. Let's pump the brakes, though. We got to remember, that's the Herald oh, who acts as the prince. Mm-hmm. Right. Well. The, the Herald, right? Which is, an, I mean, I, I, we're talking let's, about let's the not roll, at let's this not, point. Let's not roll into it. I know how they could seem that, but literally yeah, I yeah. sliced through this on purpose because we got to pull that out because it's easy to forget. Seneschal and Masquerade seems to be the same in Requiem. It's not. Mm. It's not. Well, the prince is out warlording and, and being the enforcer for their own tradition. They, they, they got to fight for their rule and they're doing it well. The Seneschal is the civility. The Seneschal represents that second half. Often the Seneschal is called the, uh, with the king or queen, depending on who's the prince. Right, the alternate is considered there to it. Why? The Seneschal is intimately involved with the prince, governs the prince's backgrounds and appointments. Mm-hmm. Yes. How badass is that? I'm much a part more of eloquently power. put than I have. Much more eloquently put. I'm a part of power as a Seneschal. When you see me enter the room, I don't need to speak for the prince. You are well aware of what I represent. I'm the one that tells you when you have the right to see the prince or not. Because exactly. I govern where he or she is going to be. I'm also the one who sees the prince consistently. Wherever the prince is, so shall I be. If ever we are apart, it is for a dire reason, right? That's what he gives this illusion to. They organize deals between elders and factions. When the prince, phone call ring-a-ding, prince gets bad news. What? Seems the Carthians have blown up in a war with the Lancaeus Sanctum. Ah, uh, so be it. This happens. All right. Well, what are we going to do? 
Does the prince get up and handle it? No. The prince sits there. Why? Sipping his blood, looking at the seneschal, begging for her or him to tell him, Honey, I can't handle it. Your lordship, my lady. But the seneschal, ever awesome, and earning their power, which is separate, goes, uh, my dear prince, I am busy tonight, excuse me. Of course, this, I'll tend this salon in, in your absence. Do tell me the details. Yes, and the seneschal leaves, gets on the phone. Um, what happened, archbishop? Well, here's it all out. Oh, Carthians, all 15 of you, because you all apparently get to yell at the same speakerphone. What happened again? <laughs> and then they're all going to scream and yell. And then the seneschal hears it out and goes, huh, I heard that. Let me contact Elder X and Elder Y. Why Elder X and Elder Y? Because you... you infidels you peasants the seneschal talked to you because she chose to or she or he or she and all right now i'm going to determine what elder owes what elder what's that again that's right immediately the elders incurred debts because someone underneath them messed up and the seneschal is the one to determine that and we'll bring it up accordingly diplomatically elder of said uh deva turns out x y and z have there's a title i don't want to introduce it before we talk about it but yeah i know x y and z of deva well, it seems some of your Davins have messed up. And, and what are we going to do? I believe they're just called Deva Plur. I don't know. I forget that. Or Divide. You're right. You're right. right. So like- apparently they've messed up. And I feel that you owe a conversation at the very least to the Lankea. They want to know why. Well, isn't it a Carthian problem? I don't pay attention to what covenant. You're an elder. You sit on our domain. You enjoy feeding rights we gave you. And it's either you do what I request or I bring it up to the prince that you feel the terms and agreements of you being here at her, his or her largesse is no longer acceptable, and you can enter that arena on your own. What would you prefer? My dear Seneschal, it'll be my pleasure to deal with that. Toodles. Click. Goes back <laughs> to the prince. Turns out it was only a cigarette. Love, what were we doing again? And the prince, where are my details? Don't worry your little head about it. There's a reason I'm the Seneschal. And back to business. And the prince can do nothing. They sit there knowing it was handled, because now if it wasn't handled, there should be hounds nearby baying at the prince. Mm-hmm. please set us loose. Please, I, I have no one to feed you with. <laughs> we were thwarted by the Seneschal, right? The power of the Seneschal must be understood because it's diplomacy all day long. Plus, determining the prince's own backgrounds, the amount of trust you have to have as a Seneschal to sit as a partner with the prince is awesome. And I enjoy that immensely. But even better, I imagine the Herald as being such a supreme position. The Herald in a LARP <laughs> is somebody who gets like the coattail frock, you know what I mean? The frock coat little coattails yeah. is his shoes have to be hard healed and I, I adore i adore the fact that the herald's like a child here's in my head me in my head the, it's like a husband and wife is a prince and a seneschal right just to be there and and i, I understand and day and whatnot but that's what's in my head so it's it's the king and queen but their herald is like the son the child they went and embraced together three centuries ago right lord little fopping hop right he comes in with his little shoes fopping but hop. people right, <laughs> fopping hop, and they fear his tiptoes they fear the click-clack of his toes whenever he enters Elysium and says terms like, Father has sent me, and he brings word. And the word tonight is, is that we will no longer be listening to Lady Gaga, and he considers it a cacophony. It's an abomination of talent, and he does not believe <laughs> nowhere on the domain will it ever be played again. And that's what, And meanwhile, everyone's looking like, seriously, that is the Herald. I guess it's done. Like, shoot Lady Gaga. <laughs> really, you'd get rid of her. Throw it all out, burn it, get rid of her, oh, get rid I of the would, evidence. I would be careful with that recently. Right? You don't eat. Oh, crap. Sorry. Yeah. Am I, I? I? Sorry. I don't mean to like interrupt this. She wasn't shot. She, no, her, dog her, her dog walker was. Her dog walker was. 
I am not responsible for the world. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just know saying. That, okay? so I'm just that right. out there just in case. All right, <laughs> All right sorry. Lady not Gaga. responsible. <laughs> it was a random example, but the point is, is that the herald comes out and the herald serves as the prince's mouthpiece mm-hmm. in all things. The prince doesn't even speak anymore. Just here's the problem. Out comes little Lord Fopping Hop, the herald, to say what they want. And it doesn't have to be that. It can be whatever you want, but in my head, it's just comical that way. Oh, and I think dude. it's cool. Really cool. And they handle sudden changes in edicts, though. That's the personal. That's the cool tip. Right. So if there's a party somewhere and you don't know what's going on and the Herald calls you up, you have to take the call. Can you imagine that? It's just ring and ding, ding. You pick it up. Uh, the prince has changed his mind about what? You know, that person he said isn't no longer to be destroyed. Yeah, that he's changed his mind. Would you mind still killing him? Blah, blah, blah. Or that piece of land he said no to. Now he's saying yes, because things happen. Things have changed. Instead of waiting for the monthly meeting, we're just letting you know now we're at the salon that you weren't invited to, but you will obey because he said so. Thank you. Click doesn't have to have a conversation with you. It's just telling you what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unarguable because he's the herald. He's not the messenger. He's not going to ferry a message back to the prince. That's not how this works. I exactly. also love the idea of some elder, like maybe maquette prince that just communicates with the herald. The prince sits at their throne and never utters a word. It's just everything comes out of that herald. Yes, it's, it's as it should be. That's awesome. The other awesome fact about this is if the Prince Harold and Seneschal are in the same room, you wish to talk to the Prince, you must talk to the Seneschal. Mm-hmm. You don't get to talk to the Prince. It's, oh, so there's the Herald, who you can't talk to, right? Because the Prince is in the room. Then there's the Seneschal, who you can please get your attention. Am I wearing the right coat or jacket? <laughs> well, how do we determine if you're wearing the right coat or jacket? I'll tell you how. There's a harpy for that. I'm mentioning this out of order because the harpy, you may think the Herald's the harpy. He's not the harpy. He's not. He's not the harpy at not all. the harpy. And, yep. In fact, the harpy's super cool, right? Always was super cool, in my opinion. But they mm-hmm. made it to where the freaking harpy is this, just this cool person. It's this kindred elite who's walking around telling people what to wear. We no longer wear capes. Sorry, that's out. Why? It's 2021. <laughs> Put the cape up. It doesn't happen around New York City. What you wearing a cape for? Get the hell out of here with your cape, little stupid. We don't do that. Meanwhile, the elders chuckle. You know, they, they chuckle in whatever's in fashion. I don't know what's in mm-hmm. fashion in New York. DJ would know that. But something pleather, I imagine, or whatever. And, Bob has no idea about fashion, but you know, whatever, whatever's clever, whatever's clever. But the social elite power that the harpy has is the fact that they walk around. What they say is heard. So it's everybody's going like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. They're in support of it. And there's two methods because this is an unofficial position. Exactly. That's the best part about it. They're, They're just skirting the line. They're literally just above the line enough to be able to sway. And the reason why it's it's because it's tolerated because it's funny. It's entertaining. It's entertaining for everyone. Because there's no real investment on an elder's behalf to go ahead and get involved when someone else could do it for them. And then it's like, here's our jester. Perfect. And it's, well, when you say jester, you got to be careful. And I mean it in the sense of the source of entertainment, not for purposes of uh, degrading or seeing them as foppish of sorts, as much as it is, this is the person who's going to bring us any type of joy. Like a smirk would be the best way of describing it. To put humor aside out of it, look at it with a serious tip just to meet my fellow passion artists here. Or like mm-hmm. to really dig deep, your kindred elite would be somebody who shows up who doesn't have any problems, yet they're still active. Like an Ancilla who has somehow got where they are and they, they are owed boons, they don't owe them. Mm-hmm. And accordingly, when they talk to someone, those elders want to listen to them because they're getting it done, at least this decade. And because of that, people want to hear what they have to say. By the way, don't they dress a certain way and that's good? Don't they seem to always know the right thing to say and when? Weren't they the ones to teach us how to not get uh, fished? online anymore mm-hmm. right didn't they come up with it 
and things of that nature. And there's not only one. There could be no. multiple harpies. There, there absolutely are. And like that, some harpies can be appointed, right? Can be appointed by the prince or seneschal uh, to, you know, Invictus are going are gonna to do it because uh, my vassal did well tonight. I will make him a harpy or his new child will serve faithfully. But you could also be it unofficially. And that goes to show a harpy and requiem isn't really something that's put in, but it's something that they just are. It's a thing. It's a, a, folk, a facet of the dance macabre that someone like occupies to fulfill. In other words, we can't be elitist if there isn't an elite. Right. And the harpy fuels that as being the one who is the example of what the elders are willing to accept as amongst them, as, as purage, as it were. And that's, and that's where it comes to. And that's interesting. Because when we think of elder, well, what, what would they get? Primogen. I know what you're thinking. You probably think I played masquerade for years, Bob. I know what a primogen is. And yeah, in the masquerade sense, you do. And you're not wrong. But I feel that the masquerade only scratched the surface of what a primogen is. We've said for I've said for years, you've heard me say I've recorded, read it out of a book, that they are advisors to the prince. Mm-hmm. But strangely, they often were even considered the heads of their clan for some reason. Or that you ever heard of a city that had to have like for every clan in the city there was a primogen representative de facto. There's a siege oh, yeah. brother. Yeah. I've wow. I've I played a lot of LARP with that. <laughs> uh, right. I kn- I never understood it too, because I remember reading back in the books, I was like, well, this isn't exactly what a primogen is. Right. So I, I can see that. But Requiem goes back to that. Right. I think the word primogen literally means first of the blood. You might, someone here might be able to correct me on that. But I think well, that's pro- what it progenitor is. is is where that comes from. Prime being one mm-hmm. and being the best of something okay. in that regard is how it's delivered. So you're absolutely right. Right. So these individuals, uh, they they are appointed that irregardless of what clan they are, of what covenant they are. They are in that position because they they've earned it they can hold it their word bears weight and they have power and that's the important thing yes in masquerade you're appointed requiem you are not mm-hmm. it tells you point blank to be a permission in requiem you're one of most likely you have a choice you hit a pivotal point either challenge the throne or advise it those are your two options if you think you have the power to be above everyone else above the mass in that regard that, that's the two directions you go there's already a seneschal not going to be you no doubt prince appointed right mm-hmm. and that's how it is it's chosen a seneschal because it's they're intimate it seems it's going to be that way and either friendship or loyalty or what have you but when it comes to primogen you're someone of power and rank where the prince might have been hey man what you when you moving i i don't plan on moving oh you don't plan on moving no i thought it'd be best if i help you and advise how best to run the aspect of what i'm currently oh well we should announce that at the next salon what say you yeah of course i'll inform the other primogen that might be how the conversation goes, right? No, no, not looking to get my ass kicked. I'm just here to help out. I understand it's your, your two centuries I've been here living and enjoying your edicts, but uh, never looking to challenge your boss. We're just, mm-hmm. we're just doing it differently. Well, now as you say as a primogen, why is it that it's like it's something that they take? Well, if you're powerful enough in that domain, you claim that seat because the prince understands that the domain that you're covering is something he's not and that you have weight in the area you're at to handle things. And since domain could be a lot more than just the place, this makes yep. more sense in Requiem and how it happens. Because the importance here, knowing that a primogen is just an advisor, typically of a domain, but helps the prince govern where they're at, then what is a Priscus? A Priscus is the leader of a clan. It is not a, um, it's not a city position. It is a clan position at the head of it, right? So I, I love this idea of, I've always loved the gangrel alpha. Right, the gangrel Priscus, but it gets a lot more interesting when you try to think of like all the other what the Priscus of a Deva would be. Right. In my mind, I keep thinking back to Mean Girls. 
<laughs> right. That's a little comedic. And I, I mean that in like a, I do put like a serious and darker spin on it, but it, it there are some parallels, at least in my mind with that. Deva, Deva is something we'll get into, but they're my, they're my favorite uh, clan in Requiem and not for any reason other than they dispel that soft approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do enjoy the torturous existence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all have that aspect. But sit here as the Priscus to stay simply ahead of a clan. Um, it is correct. However, power by clan support is best said. You're only going to be Priscus so long as you're handling the problems of those who come to you within clan with those problems. So if I'm Bob and everybody's coming to me and they're saying, hey, Bob, can you help me? I'm like, yeah, hey, Bob, can you? Yeah. And I'm constantly helping out and helping new people get along and figuring out and whatever. All right. Then I am recognized as the Priscus of the clan by probably the prince or primogen or all of the above, because that's where it is. However, there is a son of a bitch who works under me that's called the whip. I know why. Yes. Now, why I say that is because whip is absolutely somebody that everybody should enjoy. Go for it, bread dry. I see it yeah, all in I, I'm sorry, guys. I know I'm dominating some stuff, but this is my favorite position relationship out of all of this between the whip and the priscus, because the whip is someone that will whip up their clan, right? To get something done. If that's a, a someone they need to like boot stomp or some issue they need to vote on in Carthian Republic uh, number A or whatever. Right. But this whip does not necessarily report to the Priscus or is appointed by the Priscus. It could be someone that is just active in their clan. And that can lead to either a Priscus can have like a great working relationship with a prince. If they can get along, they have a mutual enemy. But if not, that whip can be the biggest thorn in the side of the Priscus. Because here's what the whip does that the Priscus doesn't. To be whip, you have to be someone who collects the clan opinion and ensures the Priscus hears those those opinions first and foremost you're also the person who ensures all members of the clan are heard you're also the one to make sure there are no idle hands in clan meaning if you're here in this domain in this city i will find you i'm the whip coming around as census taker also is the one to make sure that what you're doing benefits us all Mm -hmm. while you're here everyone will have a hand in doing something and thus that whip titles earned and why they're called a bully sometimes a taskmaster um as well as being someone of benefit but this is where the Priscus gets annoyed. If I'm the Priscus and I'm handling problems of everybody, why do I need you to push them towards us for whatever? Well, the whip said we got to get this done and we're out here trying to. I understand that. But simply here's the here's the key to the rental property where you can have your meeting. Like the, what I understand what the issue is. Well, we got to go there. We gotta, certainly have fun. Enjoy. And then you have the primogen. Is there a problem? No, we're good. Carry on. Just Deva being Deva. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're where I'm a Deva, right? Right, but you're a primogen. Don't worry your head. You know what it's like. No, I don't. I'm over here hanging out with the heartbeat toodles and uh, moving on. Right? That's how it might go. But then it's like, oh, thank God we dodged that bullet, depending on how it is. Right? Plans within plans. And we talked about heartbeat, but I like to be cheeky about that that portion. But let's talk about a popular popular position. Has Sheriff changed at all? I don't think so. I mean... And the reason I say I don't think so is because from our minds and how we envisioned the sheriff working out in Masquerade, right? It's, it's probably just me looking at it from the same type of lens, which is the person who, who's sent to resolve all types of disputes. It's, it's time to happen. You know, what are you there to do? Everything. Literally everything else that your elders are not going to be doing with their hands and or sullying. Your sheriff is there to be the first person to go investigate, enforce, take a look, question, etc. That is their ultimate purpose, uh, as should have always been the case. Let's talk about Earth motherfucking Banes, right? For those of you who understand the Requiem novels, who remembers Earth Banes? You don't remember Amazing. the novel? I don't offhand. All right, so when I mentioned um, probably the most infamous Deva, 
who comes to mind? Oh, Solomon Birch. Without a doubt. Of course. Yep. Solomon Birch is who you remember. But when I remember Earth Baines, you might remember him as Maxwell's prince. I'll describe Earth Baines. Seven foot tall, solid muscle head to toe, white as the driven snow. Thinks he's the hardest probably wannabe gang member that ever existed, right? He was, uh, it, I won't even quote the term because of the sensitivity nowadays, but he's a guy who, uh, who grew up in a neighborhood very much influenced uh, by uh, an impoverished culture, whatever you want to call it, from the mindset of how the author wrote him. Earth Baines was very interesting in being someone who bullied folks, but to the tune of hardcore rap. Like, you wouldn't let it go, right? Earth Baines is mentioned accordingly. And he's in the novels where he has them, but I enjoyed the author's interpretation of it, where he would ride around with this big SUV where he squeezes in and squeezes out of, but the whole block got quiet and nervous when they saw him because it's this weird psychopath that's getting out of the thing. And he would do some innocent stuff like deliver a message. Hey, Birch, here you go. This is from the Prince, yo. Everything's gravy. See you later, baby. He's white, literally white as it gets. And he gets back in. And he has this you know, visible like Glock or whatever I imagine. Probably has an automatic weapon sitting in the seat. Just somebody you knew. Why does he get to drive around and do that? Because he's representing Maxwell as the sheriff, right? And if something goes down, Earth Baines is going to be the one to fall on you. And that's how it is. And he's very good at his job. And in the novels, it was, he, was, he was written so good uh, to get those points across at uh, you know, Earth Baines. I mean, it's, it's one thing if you haven't read, you need to relook it up. Um, it's someone that got these, those novels got me into Requiem because they breathed life into what they were talking about, the new ways it is. An old masquerade sheriff is almost a position unto itself where they send out the deputies and you can be an investigator. No big deal. Blah, blah, blah. But uh, someone like Earth Baines was so simple. What happened? I did a feeding wrong. Oh, you did a feeding wrong. Yeah. Clickety clack. I shot you a bunch. Slap you on the ground, kick you into the team, can't move, throw you in the trunk. <laughs> you got a date with what? The prince. And no one's going to say anything. Why? This is predator stuff. You messed up in the wrong domain, and I'm what happens when you mess up. By the way, how did I find out that you messed up that feeding? Like 18 different people had to call and talk to me to come look here because you didn't pay this guy off, and this person saw you from the eighth floor, yep. and someone else described you washing blood off your shirt, and you thought you were hitting with that. And you may have used your influence, but your influence didn't govern the other person who's in your domain with that influence who wants to move up on you. And they gave up the ghost and told me who you were. And I don't care about none of that. I'm not here to play the status game. I'm here to lay boots to asses and drag you where you got to go. And you got to date with the Invictus and where you polish up your shoes, you look sloppy. And you got to be like, wait a second, you just trashed me to Torpor. I can't clean up. And that's another thing Maxwell going to kill you for. <laughs> and drag you back. Why? Because it's your fault you look like crap and you get busted by Earth Baines in Chicago. That's exactly how that guy reminded me of. And I said to myself, that's a great takeaway, but why? When I read about Sheriff, I was like, it's simplicity. You're the enforcer. You're the police. And you're the inquisitor. All rolled into one. All rolled into one. Finally, there's a freedom to the title of Sheriff. Mm -hmm. Finally, there's a fear. Yes. This guy's talking to you and you can't go, wait a second. Does my permission know you have a hand in me? Oh, that's right. I'm the sheriff. I can't. You're, that's true. We got to be careful about that standing. No, I'm the enforcer. I break your jaw. How dare you try to tell me to do that? I'm going to put you in a hurt locker. Why? I'm the, the sheriff. It's what I do. Should I be hurting you? Should it all be about power? No. You can be insidious with this, too. You can be that sheriff that calls someone up and lets them know. I have all this evidence that you didn't clean up after yourself because this is evidence I'm supposed to get rid of. Granted, I could, but this is not on your domain. Now, before I call whose domain it is, Perhaps uh, we can work something out. Perhaps you come out yourself. That's a different type of sheriff. And yet there are those sheriffs who are everybody's friend. Just took care of it. Because there's going to be a time when they call you 
and they have enough blackmail covering up for you that you yep. can't say no to their problem. Now, arguably, though, what's a hound then to a sheriff? The hound is exact. The hound to me in Requiem is no holds barred, point click. It has a project to do. Most commonly, think of Anton Shakurg in No Country for Old Men. He just he's there to do a job. He's not there to negotiate. He's not there to compromise. He's there to get X. He's there to get that money back no matter what happens. In this case, the hound is sent to assassinate the leg break. There's no like, please, no, can I just talk to the sheriff? It'll, it's going to be fine. He's like, you done talk to the sheriff. That's why I'm here. So <laughs> knuckles start to crack and then we start having things happen. That is what the hound is. It's a point click troubleshooter. A- absolutely. Uh, in, in some cases, like you said, Bob, a sheriff could be uh, a man of subtlety. Uh, the Herald can also work as like a, a weird, not a weird, as like a secretary of state. He can negotiate, be subtle when he needs to be, as can the sheriff. The the hounds are exactly what DJ said. They're troubleshooters. They're leg breakers. There's a problem. They get it done. I enjoy the hound for, for all the reasons uh, it, that, it, that, that there exists a hound. It's so it's so it's so much fun just to read about. Right. You're never going to be bored. And if you're a prince, you don't want bored hounds. Not at all. <laughs> I forgot his full name. Mayfield the Earth Baines. <laughs> like, oh, he had to. He had to. <laughs> I had to look him up. I was I was falling in love with it all over again, going like, man, I remember this dude having such presence. You gotta understand the game I ran where he was sheriff, I forget what was a popular rap song of him bouncing around to the music. Everybody, every player group is making fun of him because it's a white guy. Mm-hmm. That is goofy white dude in the neighborhood. Like, let me care, let me care about him beef until he got out the car. And then he walked up and was like, What's really hood, yo? And like just being comical with it, and they were like going, "Oh man, I loved like uh, ICP." We're like, "Man, no insane clown posse around these, but it's old school, man. We're in love in your music." And they're just staring at him, like, "What's he really out here for?" It's such a good character. You gotta, it's it's fun, fun comedy for or just interest with how they wrote that guy. Um, I loved it, but I digress. Uh, Hound to the sheriff should be even more nightmarish because the, they serve the prince or the primogen. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again: the prince or primogen. Ring a ding ding, I'm the primogen. Remember that Priscus I told you about? I'm the Dave of Primogen. He's like, Yeah, he's doing something. Can you let him know my displeasure at what he's doing? Uh, certainly. Hangs up. One of those hounds gets up and walks over to the to the Dave of Priscus. Like, can I talk to you? Not here. Not at least him. All right. Goes out. His car's getting a shit beat out of it. <laughs> and the hound's not telling him why, right? Unscrews the tires, slams the windshield in with it, deliberately following everything to be the masquerade, just a hooligan tearing up a car. But no one dares call the police on that guy. Mm-hmm. Not happening. The David's like, what's going on? Meanwhile, the Dave of the Primogen looks to the Priscus. Remember to shut your voice next time. Next time the word is shush when I'm in the room. Enjoy. We're all Deva. Deva. And the hound's out there being a fool. No doubt to a harpy's like express interest, right? And that's, that's an example. I'm being extreme. But there's some fun nuances here that are just, just flavor that you can do. Last but not least, the Master of Elysium. This is, uh, this is another one. Uh, just like the harpy, it can be appointed or it can be someone steps up and fulfills this role. This master of Elysium, uh, most I would think most of the time covers one Elysium, one place, one gathering place for for kindred in the city. Right. Sometimes they can have more if they if they can hold it. But that ends up what it uh, that ends up being their responsibility to enforce, uh, to provide a place for kindred to meet, gather uh, socially. I, I think, think that's it. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, w- I would put one other one other change in it in Requiem uh, from, I think, Masquerade. In, in my mind, Elysiums are called things in Masquerade, right? They're not necessarily full standing all the time. But in Requiem, 
An Elysium is an Elysium. Okay, never mind. I'm probably mixing that up with Masquerade Salons then. Not at all. The the, the Elysium, and it's, what it is is that when there's a salon, they're separate entities, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's look at that, right? Let's let's stick in that vein here because it rolls nicely together. I'm wondering what a Master of Elysium might do. Where they govern Elysium, that's it. The Elysiums are those places in the city that are used for kindred only. They're used for politics. It could be used for princely edicts or even just the locale for... Um, for for vampires to hang out because they called the keeper and and the keeper knows you know basically in simplicity the places that are the places to be known to run into kindred that are safe for everyone to meet mm-hmm. the master of Elysium secures these places accordingly they're considered a peer amongst elders for doing that because they do it on behalf of the elders because the elders may not be of the time right. what I mean by that is if they're anachronistic think about waking up from the sleep of ages and you're acclimating to the world environment if I know that Brentron's little Caesar. And we, he's called Little Caesar because he apparently claims that he was Julius Caesar. And we know he's not Julius Caesar, but he remembers it differently. And the reality is he might have been a member of the House Julii and remembers Caesar as, as an uncle, mm-hmm. is what he should have remembered him at. But he adored Caesar. But how might that have been in his dream? And because of that, when he wakes up, he's confused. He isn't yet acclimated to the language. He isn't accum- acclimated to light. He's still getting used to the fact that sound comes out of these weird boxes everywhere. What about a smartphone? How would that blow his mind? So we have Elysium for such an August elder. And so we, the elders, sit around and take it upon ourselves to calm him down. Why? What is he doing? Snarling and snatching the life from things <laughs> that he doesn't understand. Right? Can we- yep. <laughs> I was about to say, because that also feeds into like the why Master of Elysium, or even having Elysium in general in Requiem is that much more important, is because it is the ground where we all know we should be able to meet and fight off that predator's taint, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, the part where we know that if we're all coming in as feral cats, this is supposed to be the spot that we willingly pre would say, like, oh man, if we don't want to go to that school dance, well, you know they're going to be there, right? So you're already mentally prepared to meet these folks. And because of that, it's the safe ground. It's holy ground for everyone else. Much right. more so, not because so much of a political disposition or otherwise, but because you'll be able to safely meet other kindred and or engage with them. So now is the time to go ahead and do so. Now, there's other places to meet up. Talking about the social existence is huge in Requiem, right? We're talking about nightlife is pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Clubs, mm-hmm. dance halls, drinking. But those are like personal feeding time with mortals, more or less, right? I mean, it's, it's expected you'll do it and you'll run as, you might run as some kindred there. But that comes into princes handing down feeding rights. Specific areas of the cool spots for people they like or that they themselves can govern. Now, from that, you have cultural events, or rather be known, why would kindred go to that? Era artist debut, high arts, whatever. Why, why would we as kindred go to those things? Keep up with the time. That's it. Yep. That's it. Because you got to. Remember, it's about that ennui. And the Requiem highlights that it's got to suck, right? You got that ennui. And you got to get rid of it. You know, one of the things is like, cool, this lady plays violin. But do they play violin like when you invented it? Uh, I'm sorry. I have to say this. I, I was looking at these notes I, in this description. I was just reminded of like one of our friends goes through like continuing education every time. And I was reading like cultural events. It's like the same thing for vampires. And so they can just yes. keep up with it. Like it, like I'm a- saying it, it made me laugh when I thought about it, but it's because of how true that is. It's like, Oh, this is what the mortals are doing this decade. Right. And you might be there running to who the harpy mm-hmm. who knows, right? It's just a cool place to do a thing of activity. Um, so, and uh, parties are parties, but uh, mortals can mix. Most likely you have them there and you're there to be mortal again, to enjoy that life. But salons are different. You mentioned salons and masquerade to here, and this is where it sticks and what it was meant to do. A salon is just, a, it's an intellectual gathering is the idea. It doesn't have to be just that, but an intellectual meaning, we're here to discuss. A shared knowledge is what's going on. 
not necessarily about technology, although it could be, but it could be a philosophy, a, an edict issued by the prince. There's where it gets interesting. Um, what the Carthians are talking about, the Invictus is talking about, um, what the Bruja clan wants, what the Ventru clan wants. And you might have a salon to air this grievance out in a politically correct way to get your opinion across by debating it with intellectuals across the domain. And that's its point. You also might do it just to have fun. There might be something worth discussing that you don't want to eliminate anybody from participating in. What does that mean? Well, let's say um, there's a salon called and the Herald lets you know that the prince won't be there, but he is paying attention to it. And this salon specifically is governing, oh, let's say feeding rights, right? Feeding rights, period. Maybe it's hotly contested over who has what nightclub or that the coronavirus, which everyone has to deal with now, has changed feeding rights. And the prince is letting everybody discuss it in a salon as to whether or not it should change. It's not his fault that your domain has hit the hardest for feeding rights and you now have to beg and plead and offer certain favors to allow yourself and whoever to come feed over wherever else. And that's where you would debate it in safety or discuss uh, the, the right points of Carthage, right? Or whether or not uh, sword use should be brought back to the domain to decide different. It's whatever you choose to make that salon that is a discussable point. And it's, you know, interesting for me because like I could think of that old Roman vampire. It's like Gaius is awoken. And after a good month's worth, he finally remembers that he actually has a couple of artifacts and he would like to present it to the city. What? He's going to speak? Really? You'll be there to present. He apparently remembers and he has artifacts to prove his claims. Oh, man, I got to show up. I got I got to see what's happening here. And then that's where it starts rolling in. Another way to also introduce uh, and this, you know, obviously outside of Elysium, but the, the whole point is like it, there's a purpose to it, right? There's purpose to these things. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, why I mention all these at all is because uh, players, this is where you get to fill easily what your nightlife is like for your character, right? Mm -hmm. Rama, Rama, Deva, and I'm a Carthian. I may not attend uh, a salon. I don't care about that. I'm not trying to rub elbows with elders. It's not my scene, but I might go to a party. You know, I might go to a dance club first and live it up and then later on attend a party being thrown by somewhere else and whatever. And as long as I maintain that masquerade, who cares? Have a good time, right? These things almost state uh, you get to map out how you are in night society as well as in mortal society and thus how you blend in the domain, why you belong where you're at. They help tell that story. They're pivotal. A lot of people fail to think that far for their character. And what happens is, is you kind of lose flavor with it if you can't see yourself night to night mm -hmm. and what you might be doing. Folks, forever's a long time. Routine lives in everybody's life. It's pretty routine to sit somewhere for hours on end trying to figure out what you're going to do next and come up with nothing. We've all been there, right? Today, I woke up. I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat. What are you going to do with the rest of your time, right? I attend work for sitting. No, I've got the day off today. I'm going to go into the park. All right. That's a two-hour diversion, maybe a little more. Now I'm going to take a swim. Great. We've added another hour. Are you going to do anything else? I guess watch binge watch on Netflix. Does that seem like something you haven't done before? All of it's something I've done before. Welcome to the Requiem. Uh -huh. All of it seems the same, right? <laughs> Except when we play this game, we play for the entertaining fact and welcome to the ST, making your life seem something more. You bring the routine, the ST will bring the story. Together we'll have something told. That's kind of the kind of the point. But you gotta at least do your part to feel that character and understand how they would react in any given situation. And that's uh that's that. And sometimes you need help, and that's okay. But this would help you. Um we've gotten a lot done. I'm gonna state that. I'm gonna spare you guys. I'm on some rolls. I love what's going on. I know for a fact we want to get into the Lost Visage. We want to talk about disciplines, blood sorcery, humanitas differences, all these good changes. Mm -hmm. And it's taken a bit as we kind of travel through uh, the Requiem and what it is. Uh, but it takes as long as it takes. I'm enjoying it. What about you two? Oh, most definitely. And we enjoy you also 
reaching out to us via our Discord to be able to have these conversations. We're always welcoming to it. And you know what the best part about that is, is like we have more people who are just interested in having that discussion as we have our salon, right? To discuss all these <laughs> things regarding what makes well done. the iron effect. Ah, you like that, don't you? But well done. I, you know, we, we do like it because we do see your questions. We do answer them. We always sit back. And even as us, it's, it's always interesting to see what our community brings back to us. So, yes, I, we love bringing you this content. Here's the thing, folks. We're going to pause it here now. We'll pick up next week. And uh, I want to thank you once again, Brennan and Chris. Thank, thank you, folks. Thank, thank you, Bob. You hey, it's my pleasure. And, uh, folks, we'll, we'll be, you'll hear from us soon. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM. At our email, info at 25yearsvtm.com. On Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25yearsvtm. Or on our website, www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade.